Hey guys, this is our podcast at the Clemson Foothills Church. We're glad you found us. Join us as we discover what the Bible says about following Jesus, loving God, and serving one another. Feel free to visit our website at clemsonfoothills.com or check out the Clemson Foothills Church YouTube channel. We love learning what God says to us in His Word, and we hope this podcast helps you to do that as well. With all that said, let's dive into the episode for this week. to have the great to have the campus students back I'll tell you this is uh, you know it's been a great summer for sure I mean we have had a great time at the beach and just a lot of neat things but I'll tell you this is my favorite time of year this is absolutely my favorite time of year and on top of that we're only days away from Christmas too so that's enough to make you happy we are days away so um, I don't know how you feel about that maybe it just stressed you out a little bit but um, you're like finals already no it's okay um Let's start out with this, okay, is um, we're going to take a time to pray, um, but again, and, and if you're new to us here, um, this is a time where you get to pray on your own, uh, because here's what I know for a fact, is that there's no presentation, there is no, there is no song, there is no, there, there is no perfect like worship service um, that can take the place of God speaking to us. Okay, um, there isn't some clever thing I can give. I want to do my best for sure, but they're just, I'm limited, right? We need God to speak and to convict our hearts. So um, what I'd like for you to do is just take a little time and just pray that, that you hear God, that you hear him and that he gives us the courage uh, to follow him because there's one thing I think many of us have learned about God is, is he kind of pushes us out of our comfort zone a little bit. That's a good thing, but sometimes we need some courage to do that, right? So take some time right where you are to pray, um, and then we will continue uh, with our service. Father, thanks for, thanks for bringing us together, God. I'm grateful for freshman here at Clemson University. God, I'm so thankful. What a special time in life. What an amazing season. Thanks for giving us a place that we can come to. Thanks for making Clemson. God, thanks for your plan that is planned out. God, thank you for that, that you uh, that you're calling us to you, that you want us to follow you. I pray, Father, that um, you know exactly like what's going on inside of us, God, and we're, we're grateful. It's a little scary, God, but uh, I do pray that you, uh, if for any of those in here, if they're just feeling churned up and upset, Father, we pray that you comfort them. Um, and if there are any in here that are comfortable, we pray for affliction, God. Uh, we pray that you shake us out of our comfort. And uh, thank you. Thanks for your perfect word, God. I pray that we won't just hear it for information, but we'll go and we'll live it. We'll share your love with the world. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, so one more thing we're going to do. We're going to pray. I'd like you to pray for, you know, just on your own, pray for somebody sitting next to you. Okay, I want you to think about that. I want you to pray for some, just some people that are sitting around you, that they as well, that God will just speak and work however. So let's take a minute to do that as well. 
Father, we do ask that you speak to us, God. I pray that we all hear your voice, and I pray that you help us to unlearn any bad junk we've learned about you growing up, God. I pray that sometimes we just learn things, and it's not you, God. It's it's mean version of you, or it's an apathetic version of you, Father, but I pray that we get to know you, Father, and that we walk with you, we journey with you, God. Thanks so much for your grace and mercy and patience with us. We love you, and we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Um, hopefully, one of the, our, the whole year we've been talking about faith, being more faithful, and that kind of, we all are in the same boat. We need more. There isn't somebody in here that you've reached that spot, I don't think, okay? Um, but here's the thing about faith and prayer. I hope that, that prayer is like the, the very kind of life blood that flows through all of us, okay? Because again, we're all limited with stuff we have. And this is a smart group. This is the thing. You don't know what? You come to Clemson, the IQ like rises, okay? I mean, I came from Florida State University and we were like, listen, it, we weren't dumb at all, okay? I'm a graduate there. But I'm just saying that um, we enjoyed like going and doing a lot of extracurricular things outside of class oftentimes. Um, and here at Clemson, man, it's some smart kids here, right? Um, and so, um, but we have to remember, you know, our own strength, our own, you know, whatever good intentions are not powerful enough. I pray that we're a people who pray deeply and faithfully. And uh, so you can turn in your Bibles over to Hebrews. That's where we are. We're going through this book um, I would encourage you to do something, okay, is, is every morning read a large section of Hebrews. You can read the whole book in one sitting. I would encourage you to do that multiple times. Some of you have said, well, that, that doesn't work for me, but I've got four or five or six chapters. Why do I say that? It's because we have to ingest the Word of God. I mean, it's nice to kind of pick off little verses here and there. But we've got to like do the long distance training sometimes too and kind of stretch ourselves out and see this big picture that God is painting in his word, okay? And, um, and Hebrews is amazing. Some of you guys sitting in here, there's a chapter in Hebrews that's your favorite chapter in the Bible, okay? It's Hebrews 11 for some of you guys. And it's that long chapter that talks about by faith Moses did this and by faith Abraham did that. And we love it except sometimes we forget the writer of Hebrews, he didn't start off with that. He spent 10 other chapters talking about something, all right, to bring this to a crescendo. And I think if we're going to grow in faith, right, we're going to have to, like, figure all of that out before we get there, okay? Um, so what are we talking about when we talk about by faith? Oftentimes, you know what happens in church? We talk about by faith, and we talk about these, like, these moments that we take a leap of faith, Okay, and you get all emotional and you're like, I'm going to do it finally and I'm going to get myself to do it. And and you do it and then kind of like you peter out after a while and then you're like, "Okay, I need to do that again. We're not talking about a leap of faith like you may need that. Okay, I don't know. You may. God may be calling you to do that. What we're talking about is living a life by faith where it's a part of the fabric of your life, okay? It really is, is this, it's, it's all woven in. It's this idea of this, a long journey of living, truly living by faith, not by sight. That means everywhere. Like when you woke up this morning, if you said, man, I'm a Christian, I want to follow Jesus, okay? When you woke up this morning, you go, okay, I don't know where I'm going, but Jesus, whatever you would do and however you would treat people, that's what I want to do. All right. I don't know where that's going to go, but that's more than just this decision of like amazing faith. This is 
a lifestyle of faith, right? It's a lifestyle of living in a way that you trust Jesus. That's what living by faith is, is continually going, Jesus, I don't know, but I trust you. I hear you. I trust you. I'm loyal to you. I know the world is asking me to be loyal to the world, but I'm loyal to you. Okay, and so that's really what we're talking about is this everyday thing. And I'm going to tell you, we're in Hebrews chapter four, and this this may be becoming one of my favorite chapters in the entire Bible. And it's a weird chapter. I'm just going to tell you, Hebrews is one of those books. Listen, there's some deep theology, but here's what we know about these guys. Okay, what we do know about the people that this was written to is they were a discouraged group of folks. They were immature. In fact, the writer had to tell them that you should know better by now, okay? They've been Christians for a while. They were Jews before that, okay? And they were persecuted, all right? Long-term persecution, no, but he said you've come out of a persecution and there's more to come later, okay? So we have people, maybe they're a little anxious. Maybe they're a little discouraged. Maybe they're a little bit like, man, you know, in Judaism, it wasn't so bad. Here we go as a Christian, and all of a sudden, people don't like us, and it's really difficult, and all of these kind of things. But there's a couple of questions we need to ask ourselves here is, is, what decisions, right here, what decisions are you making each day that are any different than someone who doesn't claim to follow Jesus? I want you to think about that. That's not me just like taking a shot at you. These are questions I look at and I'm like, wow, I need to examine me, right? Because isn't it easy to just, you be a church member. It's easy to do that. It's easy to just, well, I go and, but I actually live the same exact way, right? Now you can't change some things. You'll go to class and you'll go to work the same as everyone else. But what you do going there and coming there and in there is a very different decision, okay? What are those how are your decisions about school different? Like how you view school, okay? Are they different than everyone else? Because there is a race. There is a race to the top in college, a race to the top. And do I think differently about school than everyone else? That, again, we said that last week. Listen, that doesn't mean, right, C's for Jesus, Okay, that doesn't mean, you know what's awesome? I love that message because I flunked out in two semesters, okay? That's not what it means. It's this idea, though, by faith, am I viewing school different than others? There's a lot of folks going to school. They, they don't want to follow Jesus, but sometimes we can look exactly the same, right? How are your decisions about dating different? Like you want to date, you want to get married one day if you're not or something like that. But are they different than the rest of the world? Now, under, here, let me just say something about this. Don't be weird just to be weird. Okay, different doesn't mean, let me just be so different. No, 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 no. See, when I'm following Jesus, I'm going to make different choices in my dating life, okay? It doesn't mean going, how weird can I be in my dating in order to just, no, 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 no. Listen, you don't get credit for that. Okay, you just don't, all right? And so, but here's the question. How are your decisions different? And you're going, but Keith, I'm not dating. I, I'm not doing it. Listen, if you're probably in some phase of either wanting to, you are, you were, you'd like to. You know, I mean, you're in the realm, right? What about decisions about how you spend your time? Are they any different than people that are like, just not about Jesus? Okay. Again, the decisions aren't about, oh, man, how miserable can you be? Like, that's not how we measure this, right? We're not going, man, I'm way more miserable than everyone else, so I must be doing pretty good. 
<laughs> That's not what it is. These are questions that I go, man, am I making some faithful decisions that are different than the world, right? This is one right here, man, I'll tell you. Is, is, this is our world, man. Is What about decisions about participating in just gossip and drama? All right? I mean, we're talking about, I'm, I grew up in a family just brothers, okay? I have a daughter. I know the girls are going, man, why are you picking on the girls? No, no, I get it. Guys gossip and have drama and all that kind of stuff. But here's the deal is, is I watch my, my, my son can go through school and I don't know if he realizes, like, even who's around him, okay? Ellie goes to school, and she is, like, knows everybody around her and everything that's happening and all of that. And it's really easy to get brought into gossip. Hey, did you hear what she did? Hey, did you hear about so-and-so? Hey, what about that? Can you believe they did that, okay? Well, how are your, dif- how are your decisions different than everyone else's about participating in that? They should be different, all right? I mean, we should we go, hold on. I, now, now, listen, you, you don't have to be like stand up on a chair and do all, but you should go, I'm going to make a different decision about participating in this, okay? Because there is something somewhere in the New Testament that says that what we say should build others up. All right, that's a good thing. Ephesians 4.29, if you want to go back and look at that. <laughs> and this is one of those ones, you want to know what? I've been here before. Okay, this isn't meant to scare you or anything. I've been here before where it's like, hold on a minute. I'm looking at myself going, I'm no different. All right, here's the great news, okay? This is, and we've got to start, and I hope you train this into your mind. I hope over and over and over you train this in your mind is that here's the beauty of the gospel, okay? And this is, that's that Christianized word that all of these weird things might come up when you hear gospel, Okay. But here's the truth is the reality of the gospel is this truth that courses through your veins, okay? That two truths, okay? One is me and you are more messed up than we can ever imagine being, okay? On our, the, when we're the most real with ourselves, understand something. We are exponentially worse off than we think we are, okay? And here's the good news, <laughs> is that you are exponentially more loved than you can possibly imagine by God, okay? Can you imagine those two things, okay? You're worse, and oftentimes we equate that with unlovable. And more lovable than you can, more God loving you more. Can you imagine that? I often ask people, if Jesus were to walk up to you, you know, what do you think the first thing he would ask you or say to you is? And oftentimes people go, well, he'd like rebuke me or correct me or, or tell me he's upset with me or he's just tired of me or something like that. And, you know, the character of Jesus I read in the Bible, I think he'd come up and just be like, I can't tell you how much I love you. Let me start out with that. I love Come here and get close to me. All right. And isn't that great? That's what drew people to Jesus was, you want to know what, people that realize their sinfulness, Jesus was like, no, come here, come closer. The world's telling you stay away. Jesus is saying, come on in, okay? That's really, really good news. And if we don't start out with that whenever we read the Bible, if we don't start out with that, you want to know what? Christianity becomes this guilt trip, boring, I can't measure up, I'm always falling short, no one will love me, I need to hide from people because I'm so embarrassed of my real self. So we need to start out with this gospel, Okay, this true idea that Jesus not only likes you, he really, really, really loves you. How you are right this second. Did you know that? You, he, did you, this is what's awesome. 
that right this instant, I don't know what you did in the past 10 minutes, okay? You could have, like, cursed me. You could have, like, thought hateful. No matter what you did, okay, there is no, no way God will ever love you more than he does right now. He can't. I want you to think about that, okay? You've got to let it soak in. You're going, does it mean he won't love me more? No, no, he can't love you more. Like, that's the cross. That's the extent. He can't, he can't go, I love you so much that I'm willing to die, but let me go further than that. He's like, no, I've said my piece. This is how much I love you, okay? I can't love you anymore no matter what you did 30 seconds ago even, 20 hours ago, a week ago, okay? That's really important that we internalize that, not just as information but because that's what gives us some spiritual energy, okay? That lets us look into a very challenging book in Hebrews, and this is really, really challenging because, as we said last week, this book is about exhorting us, urging us. The writer is saying, come on, guys, wake up, pay attention, all right? But when we start with the gospel, that allows us to go in and go, you know what, I can hear some hard things about myself, and that's not the end. Like, let's go forward now. Okay, so that's just a really important thing that we want to remember, okay? You can't barely see that, okay? Uh, what is that? That white <laughs> font right there. Find comfort in being uncomfortable. Growth and comfort never coexist. If it doesn't challenge you, it won't change you. That's a good thing, okay? Uh, find comfort in being uncomfortable. That's a good, good principle, isn't it? Be comfortable in being uncomfortable. That's great. Let's look at Hebrews 4. I tricked you a little bit. We're going to start in Hebrews 3, just up, okay? Because as you know, here's the deal with the Bible. The chapters were put in later, okay? Just so you know that. It wasn't like they chaptered it off like this, okay? The verses and chapters came later. Um, I'm going to give you one word, okay? I want, I'm going to give you this one, one kind of big word that you don't ever have to use again but you have to understand it, okay, is this word, okay, typology. Going, to school start already? <laughs> no, no, no. Here's why this is important, okay. This Bible that you have, whether it's on your phone or, you know, paper Bible or something like that, is one of the most amazing pieces of literature, most amazing pieces of written work that's ever been put down on paper, okay. And the reason is, is because it's not just words. But here's the cool thing. Over thousands of years, somehow, over 66 books with all kinds of different authors living in all kinds of different places, God communicated his message to us in every imaginable way you can, you can think of, all right, of it being communicated. So parable, there's parables. You like poetry, there's poetry. You like history, there's history, all right? This is, this is something we have to know if we're going to read our Bibles well. And it's typology, okay? And here's what it means. It's a real person, a real event, or a real thing that God has ordained as a predictive pattern or resemblance of Jesus' person and or his work, okay? You can write it down, look at it. I don't want you going around going, hey, do you know about typology? Okay, that's not, you don't have, you don't have to know more than everybody, but it's really important because the book of Hebrews uses it so prolifically. And in what ways, okay? Here, let me just kind of show you before we jump in. Um, pretend you were a first century Jew, okay? I know that's super hard. 
super difficult, impossible. But just kind of get yourself into the audience's mode, okay? In your history, you know what have been a profound part of your history was the slavery in Egypt that your, that your own people were in for hundreds of years, okay? Egypt would, you would remember that in your family. Like you thought of Egypt and you're like, oh, slavery, okay? Oh my goodness, we were enslaved. They're, they're thinking about this, but you would think of so much more because God told this amazing story and Egypt was more than a country. Now, don't get crazy with typology, okay? This isn't like everything's a symbol, <laughs> okay? It's not. It's like, oh, well, you know what was really cool? That bow and arrow, <laughs> that meant this. No, 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 no. This is actually real places and real events that even the New Testament goes into and it shows us, you know what, Egypt, for hundreds of years, God instilled this story in his people of what it was like to actually be like forced labor, this enslavement, okay? And then you remember what he did? He sent this guy who had no business, Moses, who had no, to lead his people out. And what he did is he took this. And so if me and you were Jews, we would think, man, Egypt really represented slavery, being enslaved. And then you know what God did is God walked us through the Red Sea, right? He saved us from our captors. Okay. And then what he did is we wandered. How many years did they wander? Do you remember? Can you think? Okay, some of you, that's, not, that's more than twice your age. 40 years, okay? Can you imagine that? But here's the deal. This is why God is the best teacher in the world. Because you're going to learn a lesson. If it was one lesson, it'd be tough. But if you're going to walk around for 40 years, you're going to learn the lesson. If you're going to be in forced labor for 400 years, you're going to learn. It's going to be imprinted. 400 years, 40 years. Like, okay, we get it. We're wandering around here, okay? And, um, and then ultimately he brings them into the promised land, right? But we're about to read something that's a little bit tragic about that. And Joshua brought them in, but not all of them came in, okay? And there's a theme. Remember we talked about there's some themes running through Hebrews. There's a theme that runs through the Bible, and it's a theme called now but not yet, okay? Let me share with you what that means. You can be saved now, but not yet. The kingdom of God is now, but not yet, okay? It's this idea of it's here, and it's still not completely fulfilled, okay? And we're going to read about this right here, is to have this idea of, can I read this as a first century Jew? And here's, here's what may be the hardest part for me and you. We don't read Eastern literature. We aren't an Eastern people. We're Western culture. Western culture, you know, we like bullet points. Just give me the answer. Don't make me work for it. Tell me what you want, okay? You want to know what, the way the authors wrote? The opposite. They, they wrote in a way that they were like, I want you to, to discover something. Isn't that exciting? You read the Bible and you're going, oh my goodness, can you just tell me what to do? You go, well, they didn't know how to write that way. What they were doing was, I want you to discover something. Hence this typology, which is really interesting, is this God teaching like, oh, we're supposed to discover something here. So in Hebrews chapter 3, um, we're going to start in verse 7, all right? And I won't read verse 7 through 11. You can put a big square around it. He's, he's reading from Psalm 95, okay? There's a connection right there. You may know nothing about the Old Testament. Now you do. Like I know, Psalm 95 is right here in Hebrews chapter 3, okay? And here's what he wrote. We'll go ahead and read verse 7. 
Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts, as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness, where your fathers tested me, they tried me, they saw my works for over 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said, they always go astray in their hearts. They have not known my ways, so I swore in my anger, they will not enter my rest. Okay, it's okay when we read the Bible to go, that doesn't sound right to me. Okay, it's okay to do that, okay? But he's quoting, and if you want to write another little notation, you can read this exact story in Exodus chapter 17. You can go back and read about what this poet wrote about that that particular history when the Israelites were wandering around. Now, here's the interesting thing. God saved them already. Okay. They had come through. They had been saved from slavery, but they weren't in the promised land yet. Okay. Discovery, right? We're trying to, let, let's kind of stoke that a little bit. Oh, man, let's open up kind of our minds of discovery and go, oh, he washed them. The Red Sea, 1 Corinthians 10, it says they were baptized through the Red Sea with Moses. And now they're wandering And as they're wandering, it says here in verse 11, God said, so I swore in my anger, they will never enter my rest. Let me give you an idea of that word, okay? Because you're going, rest, what is that all about? It's huge. (laughs) It's huge, okay? When you read the first couple chapters of Genesis, you have this, you know, at the end on the seventh day, God rested, right? There you go. God (laughs) rested. That was perfect. Um, but, but the thing is, God rested, okay? When we hear something like this, that now enter my rest, okay? Here's what I want you to think of. This is the, God is resting. To enter his rest is to come in and make your home with him, to abide in him, to dwell with him. God is in his rest, okay? He's saying, hey, come on, it's open. The door's open to enter my rest, we don't use those words anymore, but I want you to think about that. He's going, he's going, people can come. I want you to dwell with me. Make your home and your refuge in me. That's his rest, okay? And in verse 16, or um, in verse 12, actually, we see this writer of Hebrews says, Watch out, brothers, that there won't be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart that departs from the living God. But encourage each other daily while still called today so that none of you is hardened by sin's deception. For we have become companions of the Messiah if we hold firmly to the end the reality that we had at the start. As it said today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. Okay. We should be discovering some things here. We should be thinking about this and going, oh man, these guys... He's urging people who, have, who are following him. He's like, you have to hold firm to the end. Okay? One of the things that can destroy a spiritual life is to go, it's about a decision to become a Christian, and then I live my own life after that. Okay? That's not substantiated anywhere in the Bible. Okay? We're not going for decision-making necessarily. right? We're going for discipleship. This idea of this life of I'm following you because I'm loyal and trusting you, Jesus. And they had forgotten. Right? These guys have forgotten about that. And it's, we're being warned. Guys, remember. And not only that, don't just remember on your own. Look around you and remember and encourage your community. 
That's what's so important because he's like, no, no, no. This isn't an individualistic effort. This is y'all look around and encourage each other daily so that none of you has an unbelieving heart. Okay? And he's not talking about a decision of unbelief. He's talking about a lifestyle of unbelief that you just live on your own and Jesus is your own Lord. Verse 16, the writer of Hebrews asks some questions. Again, discovery. Okay? For who heard and rebelled? Like he's trying to get us to comprehend here. Guys, think about this. Who heard the message and rebelled? Well, you just talked about the Israelites in the desert. Wasn't it really all who came out of Egypt under Moses? And who was he provoked with for 40 years? Was it not those with who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And who did he swear to that they would not enter his rest if not those who disobeyed. So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. Isn't that interesting? Is obedience and unbelief are like just right there together? That's amazing. Again, uh, not, let's not just go ahead and, okay, now we've learned everything there is about obedience and belief. No, no, no. This is, this, we should be discovering something. And I hope a question comes into your mind. It's going, wow, that's pretty interesting. Okay, but it goes on. Because he uses this really great word, therefore, while the promise to enter his rest remains, okay, it's, it's open, it's, it's, the promise to enter his rest remains, let us fear that none should miss it. This author is like, there's something to fear, is that somebody around you, somebody you know and love will miss this, okay? We've got to fear that, all right? For we also have received the good news just as they did. Isn't that amazing? Those who God said, you won't enter my rest, they heard good news as well. But they weren't faithful. For we also, in verse 2, have received the good news just as they did, but the message they heard did not benefit them, since they were not united with those who heard it in faith. For we who have believed enter the rest, in keeping with what he said. And they quote again, so I swore in my anger they will not enter my rest. And yet his works have been finished since the foundation of the world. For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in this way. And on the seventh day, God rested from all his works. Again, in that passage, he says, they'll never enter my rest since it remains for some to enter it. And those who formerly received the good news did not enter because of disobedience. Again, he specifies a certain day today. Speaking through David after such a long time as previously stated, today if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. Therefore, a Sabbath rest remains for God's people. For the person who has entered his rest has rested from his own works, just as God did from his. Let us then make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will fall into the same pattern of disobedience, okay? Let's stop for a second because there was a lot of things in there. There was names and lots of Jewish kind of doctrine and all of this kind of stuff. But here's what's important. And, and actually, let's start with what we generally do with the Bible is let's find out a, like a new law for us to follow. Okay. I don't know how you feel about Sabbath or practicing the Sabbath or any of those things. But this section right here doesn't tell us now Christians should go practice the Sabbath. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I think we've got to be better anyway at like stopping and praising and worshiping and being less busy for sure. But we have to stay within the text as well. 
okay? And in the text, what he's talking about is, is that, hey, here's the deal. There's this Sabbath rest, and you can still enter it, okay? And here's what's absolutely amazing about this, okay, is that you have this, this is what blows my mind. God is more about rest than he is about doing things. Have you ever thought about that? If you read, this is crazy, okay? What we read in the creation is that God is teaching a people about resting in him, him being a refuge. Isn't it interesting? The first people who would have read the creation story were people who would have been slaves for 400 years. They had labored and labored and labored. You know what their identity was in? What they did and what they produced. That's what their identity was in, was we're worth what we do. We're worth what we produce. And God is going, I'm going to give you something again, that typology, that reminder every single week, right, to rest. Okay, I'm going to give you that reminder every single week is that you're more than what you do. You got to think about that. You're more than what you do. You're more than what you produce. Okay, that is so vital, and that doesn't create spiritual apathy, okay? The opposite occurs, okay? Is this idea of going, oh, man, there's a reason that God talks about this, and he instituted this day, this weekly Sabbath where he was so serious. Guys, you're going to get this point. You do not work. You don't pick up sticks. You don't go and cook. You don't do anything because I want you to remember this. I rested after I worked, and, and who you are is more important than what you produce. Who God is, is more important. And that word, even that Sabbath word, means it can mean dwelling, it can mean rest, it can mean festivities. You know, come and join me in my festivities. Isn't that awesome? Okay. And so he says this right here, and, uh, and, and he goes on a little bit, and he says, for this next section, many of you guys are super familiar with this next section. And you never knew that it was after the Sabbath, right? Verse 12, for the word of God is living and effective. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates as far as separating soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It's able to judge the ideas and the thoughts of the heart. No creature is hidden from him, but all things are naked and exposed to the eyes of him whom we must give account. Okay? As we're going along, that sounds totally different than resting to me. Here's what I did when I learned this passage. This passage scared me. It scared me. Here's what. No creature's hidden from him. Oh, darn. Like, I hide things. I, man, I'm a young Christian. I'm like, hey, no, 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 no. Like, I got a double life going on, okay? I don't want, but all things are naked and exposed to him. And I'm going, oh, my God. And then you walk around, you're just like, oh, okay, he hates me, he hates me, he hates me. Oh, I hope he never finds out. I hope nobody. What? That doesn't sound restful to me. Does it sound restful to you? <laughs> it doesn't sound very restful. I think we take it to mean something that is so like, oh, we should be scared. Instead of going, wow, you know what? God has given us his word. And you want to know what? You want something for typology, okay? You know what Jesus said his words were like? We're like food for the hungry and water for the thirsty, okay? And he's saying, this right here, I gave you this food. This is his word, and it's so powerful. 
It can separate what matters and what doesn't matter. It can separate the physical from the spiritual. It can do all these things. Take, here's, the, here's the deal is, take comfort in knowing that we don't have to guess what God wants from us. It's right here, right? And so he says, you know, you can hear the good news and you can decide to go, eh, I'm not into that. He says, well, we'll still have to like meet God at some point. But if it's, let me walk, let me be in your rest. Okay. It's that idea of, man, that's awesome that he is that transparent, that he's that clear, right? And in verse 14, he says, therefore, here's, again, I want you to hear the gospel. Okay. This is, this is tough. Okay. Let's start from the beginning of this story. He said, just because y'all went into the, to, to, got out of Egypt and you were saved, that wasn't the end of your story. In fact, there were a number of people who wandered around the desert that never made it to the promised land. Okay. But I'm still telling you, you can come into my rest. You don't have to be like them. Okay. You don't have to be like these guys. Okay. You have this word of God that can inspire you and cut you and, and help with one another. Like you have these things. Okay. It's not over, but remember we're in that kind of wandering phase. Okay. It's now, but not yet. We haven't gone into the promised land, okay? It hasn't been over. It's not over. Jesus hasn't come back yet. I'm going, well, okay, I don't want to be like the disobedient. I want to be like the faithful, okay? And here's the good news. So hear the gospel here. He doesn't go on to say, you're worthless. You can't do this. There's no hope for you. There's he says this, therefore, since we have a great high priest, and if you were a Jew, that would fire you up right now. Yet, Jesus is better than any high priest, okay? He goes, since we have that, who passed through heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to the confession, right? Our confession, Jesus is Lord. For we don't have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who has been tested in every way as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us at a proper time, right? That's the idea of you may come to the conclusion and say, I am totally like those dudes wandering around that is just completely disobedient, that man, I don't even know, I have no confidence, I'm not following him faithfully, I don't really even love him, and all that kind of stuff. Isn't it great, okay, for him to go, here's what I want you to remember, okay? You don't have to go hide from God. You don't have to go hide from him. In fact, he is such an amazing high priest. You can have confidence coming to him. You can go to him. And isn't it great when you go to somebody and they sympathize and empathize with you? Isn't that better? Isn't that a nice thing of going, yeah, I get it, man. Now, understand, God isn't going to be like, dude, I get it. Just go ahead and do whatever. But isn't it awesome to know that there's God who will go, man, I get it. I get it. Come here, man. Let's come back and follow me. Repent. Seek me. Sabbath with me. All right? Because here's the interesting thing about Sabbath, okay? It's not just a day anymore. It can be your entire life. All right? When you go to school, you can be in Sabbath. Resting in him. Peace in him. Refuge in him. When you're at home, when you're stressed out, when you're anxious, when you're all these things, you can be in Sabbath. You can go, no, no, I can be in your rest, your dwelling. That's a great thing. I'll tell you what, that right there, 
Christians should be the least stressed out people in the whole world. That doesn't mean you don't encounter stress. That doesn't mean you don't have, but it's one of those things. We shouldn't be wrapped around the axle, like ready to pop. It's like, oh man, this is cool because no matter what happens, I'm in his rest. And what that means doesn't mean I'm finding peace in him and then going and living my own life. It means I'm finding peace in him and I'm like, shepherd me. (laughs) Like, please show me the way. Like, how should I go in these decisions we talked about at the beginning? How should I date? How should I look at school? How should I think about others in my community? How should I think about gossip? How should I think about these things? Because I'm resting in you. I'm dwelling in you. I love it. Turn over to Psalm chapter 34. And I want to, this right here to me is like the quintessential kind of like discovery of Sabbath in God. Okay, Psalm 34. Um, this is a mindset. This is a reality. Because here's the thing that some of these guys forgot in the first century. They forgot how great Jesus is. They forgot how much they loved him. They forgot how much he wasn't. He wasn't just a strange guy. He was the guy they loved with everything, and they couldn't wait to be with him again. Right? And here's what's really cool here in Psalm 34. I will praise the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. Uh, Isn't that strange? Regardless of circumstances. He doesn't say, except for these five times. He says every time, okay? I got a deadline at work. I'm having trouble at home. My kids aren't doing what I want them to do. Classes aren't going well. I'm super stressed out. I just want to, I just want to like go and hide away from everybody and just do school, okay? He says, no, no, I will praise you. That's that's when you're resting in Jesus. I'll praise him at all time. It'll always be on my lips. I will boast in the Lord. The humble will hear and be glad. Okay? Other people would just think you're weird. It says the humble will hear and go, thank you for that reminder. Okay? Proclaim Yahweh's greatness with me. All right? What if this was just like your normal, like operating procedures? You're just like, hey, you know what? I'm going around and, and I'm not talking about saying these words. Hey, proclaim Yahweh's greatness with me. Proclaim Yahweh. You know, I'm not, but I'm going, you live that way. Hey, let's do that together. Okay. Let's, pro, let's live in a way that shows the greatness of Yahweh, that following him is the greatest thing in the world. Okay. Let us exalt his name together. Right. Resting in him is about community. I sought the Lord and he answered me and he delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant with joy, right? Again, remember we talked about that, like, maybe I'm just like the rest of the world, okay? He says, those who look, they're radiant with joy, okay? Don't hear what I'm not saying either, okay? This isn't like, hey, 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 awesome, cool. It's not hyper, okay? But it's this joy of like this inner peace, right? This completeness, Okay, is this idea of, man, those who look to him are radiant with joy. Their faces will never be ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him, saved him from all his trouble. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and rescues them. Go back and keep reading that over and over and over again. The angel of the Lord encamps around the, okay, think about that as just a word picture, okay? Now, the angel of the Lord was pretty awesome. I don't, I want to say at one point, An angel of the Lord killed like close to 200,000 people in one day. Okay. I know that shouldn't be like what we're cheering for. (laughs) All right. But you're going, hold on a minute. That dude is powerful. 
He says an angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear. When we're resting in him, that's where we operate from, okay? And it says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. How happy is the man who takes refuge in him? Abiding, celebrating, resting, right? It's this idea of, man, enter his rest. Enter his rest, okay? That's not binge-watching Netflix, right? Enter his rest is this peace, is this guidance, is all these. Enter his rest. You who are as holy ones, fear Yahweh. For those who fear him lack nothing. Young lions lack food and go hungry, but those who seek the Lord will not lack anything good. That's a promise, man. You can just kind of circle. It's in way more places than right there. Okay. Is when you seek God, I guarantee you, you will not be, you're going to go through hardship and affliction and you're going to have to, you know, not just sit around. But when you seek him with all your heart, I guarantee you, okay, you will find him. All right. You will find him in people. You will find him in circumstances. You will find him in his word. Okay. But here's the deal. All, when all is said and done right here, okay, when all is said and done, after we listen to this story from Hebrews 3 into Hebrews 4 of this typology of, oh, from slavery into salvation, wandering around in the desert, waiting to go into the promised land, but some of them didn't make it because they were disobedient. And they didn't just do one thing wrong. They just were disobedient. They just didn't want to, okay? It was just like, I won't follow you. It's not that I messed up and I keep getting back on the horse. It's that I won't follow you, okay? And going, man, I don't want to be those people. I want to be the people that go across the Jordan River into the promised land, okay? And the, his rest, again, that theme, now but not yet. It can be a reality right now. It can be a reality of how we live not because of a decision, but because of this idea of how me and you encourage one another and work in community and help one another stay in his rest, to stay in his rest. So that's, that's the deal. What's the takeaway this week? Make your home in him. Amen. Okay. Make your home in Jesus. Okay. That doesn't mean you have to become a theologian. That doesn't mean all you have to do is study your Bible 24 hours a day. It doesn't mean that. It means getting to know him and going, I trust you. I'm loyal to you. I'm going to follow you and give me more. <laughs> I want more of you. That's right. Please give me more of you. Please, okay? Let's work that way. Let's, let's really think about this. Make your home in heaven.